He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Hello and welcome to week 16 of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. I'm Bobby Donnelly and this week I'm joined by Barry O'Hannon. Hi Barry. Hey guys. And again I'm joined by James Richardson. Hey James. Hey Bob, how are you? Very good. And yourselves, all good? Yeah, very good. Excellent, excellent. Um, Okay, well, just before we get on to discuss what we're going to be reviewing this week... Um, we actually had a quiz question last week. Um, we did. Nice little ma- major related question. Yeah, yeah, and the question was... Actually, it was a question I think it was a point that I raised. Is who was the only uh, winner of a, of a major on US soil since 2000 who won it over the age of 40? And the answer was Vijay Singh, 2004 PJ mm-hmm. Championship. And Barry, we ran a competition, isn't that right? Yeah, nice little tester. Got people to tweet in, so... We'd- Good big bunch of entries, and we got a we did a draw there for on Friday morning, and the winner was James Quirk from County Cork. So there are three yellow titles golf balls winging their way to you right now. Well done, James! Congratulations! Did he send you a DM? Give you his address? He did, yeah, yeah, yeah. I put, put them in the post today. So excellent! Yeah. Well done, James! Fair play to you. Uh, great. Okay. Well, listen. This week, uh, the format for this week will, as we always do, we'll start off with our rules related question. Um, Alan is now going first, having taken the lead back. Bad couple of weeks for you, Barry. Yeah, not not so good. Yeah, it's kind of coincided with James's arrival on the show, though. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's why Alan asked me to step in. <laughs> <laughs> You're my kryptonite. Uh, we'll have a look back on to uh, another fantastic major tournament in the U.S. Masters. Uh, we'll have a quick update on our top 200 competition. Um, our main topic that we want to discuss this week, and I suppose it links nicely into the Masters, is we're going to talk this week about putting and how the the importance of it is, is to our games. Uh, we'll have a quick chat about how we, how we all got on over the weekend, and then we'll have a brief look ahead to next week, which is the RBC Heritage uh, in Harbortown and the Maybank Malaysian Open. And at the very end, we'll have the answer to our rules-related uh, question. So, anyway... Um, on to the rules related question that I have for you this week now the question is um, and we already about Alan can't make it this week but um, he has answered his uh, he answered the question already put a voodoo on me right now yeah okay so uh, the question is B's ball was lying badly B was deliberating what action to take when A his fellow competitor said you have no shot at all if I were you I would declare the ball unplayable what is the ruling? Question mark. A A is penalised two strokes for giving advice, and if B follows that advice, he too will incur a two-stroke penalty. B A gave B information on the rules, and hence no penalty is incurred by either player. Or C, as A's suggestion could have influenced B in determining his play, it constituted advice, and A is penalised two strokes. So option A is A or A who gave advice is penalised two strokes and B is penalised two strokes if he follows that advice. Yeah. And option C is A is penalised two strokes and B has no penalty. That's it. That's it. 
C is A's suggestion could, as A's suggestion could have influenced B in determining his play it constituted advice and A is penalised two strokes A and C seem very similar to me other than you know there's, A has the hypothetical um, I'm going to go with A okay okay well answers at the end answers at the end any care to chip in with a guess James or are you staying um, abstaining <clears throat> well the question really is about unsolicited advice and whether the player who takes it is then deemed so I don't think it's going to be A because I don't think he can be penalised for the advice that was given I would go with C that A who gave unsolicited advice ended up getting the penalty we'll find out at the end hang on do I under- misunderstand it then so the guy who gave it in- oh it's in too late now Barry Barry it's too James late James is my lawyer I'm allowed this <laughs> no. um, oh stick with it whatever okay. I think I think I think I misunderstood okay yeah unless you actually get the question right and then you'll be absolutely 100% then sticking hard, by yeah, the fact yeah, that you knew the, it the party poppers are coming in but anyway okay um, moving on then and looking back to last weekend and for me, the best golf weekend uh, we've had in a long, long time when it comes to TV golf. And obviously, it was the first major of the year. Out of 10, how what rating would you have given to... Would you give now to the 2014 US Masters? On Thursday, I would have gone 10 out of 10. Okay. And it slowly dipped off for me. Mm, okay. For a large amount of reasons. Um I can just list them off quickly. One, my bets weren't completely in contention. <laughs> I shouldn't be so emotionally, you know, judgmental on the tournament because of that, but it does, it adds to it for me. Mm. Uh, two, a lot of the big names kind of felt weren't there on the weekend. You know, Phil, Garcia, mm. you know, ones that you expected to be there and, you know, at least poking their head up on the leaderboard, yeah. they weren't there, you know. And I, you know, Tiger wasn't there, but that actually didn't bother me at all because I, I like the idea of all the other big names having mm. a chance mm. to put their foot down on, you know, put their stamp on the tournament. Um, three, I thought the coverage on Sky was, barring a few other great parts, which we'll talk about later, the commentators, mm. uh, I thought the coverage was dreadful. Um, they had two different camera feeds, they were double showing, sh- they were showing the same shot twice, mm. a lot, and it drove me nuts. Mm. Um, now, I don't know whether it was because of Augusta, or for whatever reason, we're so used to seeing yardages for shots every week, and it helps us. It yeah. helps us appreciate what they have in front of them. Well, the second shot into the par five, I think it, that's where it's it's it, you know it's like to know yes. you'd yeah, like to know yeah. how far does Bubba have in on thirteen, and how far did Speed? What's the difference between the two of them? And they didn't show that. Completely agree. I mean, the par threes, you know what they have because they put it up. But mm. certainly, yeah, for the second shots, it's um, that was something that I'm, we're very used to every week, and then all of a sudden it's taken away from you. And maybe you don't even realise how good it is every week until mm. it's taken away. And it, it, that drove me nuts now having that on a regular basis. Mm, mm. So there, those are a few little things that um, stopped it being a 10 out of 10 for me. But it's a Masters and I still loved it. I still watched yeah. every minute yeah. of it yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Mm. So, so your um, final score? 7. We seven. 7. James, I know you didn't see overly too much of it now. You were, I, I, yeah, I, I saw more yeah. on Thursday and Friday. Uh, I didn't see a huge amount over the weekend mm. for, for personal reasons. But um, to me, I saw enough. I saw a couple of hours each night. I I didn't think it was a classic. Yeah, um, okay. I, to me, if you put the real classic ones up at the nines and tens, to me, this was six, possibly pushing a seven if yeah, I go yeah. with Barry. 
and I don't. I I just think that there is a um, there was good bits and bad bits, mm. and certainly losing some of the big names mm. on on the Friday certainly took away from it. There was some great bits as well. I like the fact that Bernard Langer was still in contention yeah. at the age. There you was like, there know. was good stories set around it. So yeah. to me, if you talk about the golf, I don't think the golf was exciting as there is in previous years. Mm. I don't think like when Bubba went out all that way on on Friday, it it kind of did kill a lot of the competition to me mm. that there was a big gap and. You had to look down the leaderboard to kind of find, yeah. Geez, this this is a great little bit of golf that's going on between these two or three players. Yeah, yeah. So the top end was was interesting, but there was a lot of stories I enjoyed. I liked the fact Jordan Speed first time there, right in with the shout, and we'll talk about that. Jimenez, you know, at the age he was there in contention. Freddie was know, there. It was like watching the a senior tour there. event at some yeah. stage. You, you know, know, like. You know, it was nice to see some of the, the other players that you don't see. Yeah. But I do think that it wasn't a classic. I don't think, and I feel bad for Bubba saying this, but I don't think that in years to come you'd be looking at the highlight reel and saying, do you remember that wonderful Masters of 2014? Jeez, that was a real classic. It was great. It was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I, what I watched and what I saw, I did enjoy. But I think the golf wasn't as great. I think some of the stories that were happening with Rory with having the marker, and I know we're going to talk about Jeff Knox in due course, but, you know, there was a lot of good stories around the Masters this week. I just don't think that golf was particularly memorable. So to me, I'm going to be annoying and I'm going to go six and a half. That's okay. That's okay. Well, I'm I'm kind of with you. I kind of was thinking to me, me, like, if you look back at some of the classic Masters we talked about, was it last, no, two weeks ago we previewed it when we did Mm. preview some of the best Masters. I mean, some amazing Masters. Um... But like um, I, you know, I, I, I think on Saturday evening when they're all the table was bunched up, um, and I mentioned last week I had a bet on Bubba, so I mean I made a few quid, and I was kind of opposite to you, Barry. I was emotionally invested, but um, on Saturday when all the whole leaderboard bunched up, I was like, this could be brilliant. We could have a we could have a finish on Sunday where there's going to be possibly eight to ten people, and I remember Westwood saying during the tournament that, oh. You know, you're, the Masters has never really decided until the back nine on the it, Sunday. It was decided by the back nine, wasn't it? Well, that's exactly it. Yeah, I, I think you're dead right. Yeah, the, the back right. nine. The back nine is when it gets going. Yeah. But I think um, Bubba turned it around because I think Speech went ahead around the fourth and fifth, and then Bubba had turned around six, seven, eight, nine, and he that, turned it around. That four shot swing between the eighth and the ninth. Yeah. Uh, between the two of them, that that killed it though, didn't yeah. it? And for me. I was just kind of seeing it through the end, kind of going, right, just par your way in here, Bubba, maybe pick up a yeah. birdie to par five and see it out. So it was a slight bit of uh, disappointment. As know. as somebody who had money on Bubba, did you ever get, like, when when that four-shot swing happened, were you worried that he was not going to win the tournament? When he, when he went back ahead, I was kind of, I was calm. When then. they made the turn, yeah. that was, you know, that four-shot swing, he went ahead. Did you have, did, was there, because you know when you have, when you've backed somebody in a golf tournament, you have the epic fear that they're going to crash and burn, and they're going to double shank it, and, you yeah. know. What? But did you have that at all, or did you just, because I felt that this is Bubba's, and he was just going to cruise away with his thing. After the, after those, that period of six, seven, eight, nine holes, I was, I was like, then I was yeah. kind of quite confident that he was going to see it out, because I, I and I kind of mentioned this to you guys on Friday, that I thought Thursday and Friday Bubba was, he had the ball on a string, yeah, and he was yeah. the best player by a mile on Thursday and Friday, had a bad day Saturday, and I think everyone's allowed that, I think every player is allowed to have a bad day. 
But then the way he was driving on the, on the final day again, and even on his bad day, he still drove it beautifully. That was, so, the difference was his bad day wasn't a bad day compared to the rest of the field. Yeah. The rest of the field were having 77s in a bad day. Bubba mm. didn't. Mm. Well, he came back to the field then on Saturday. That was the only thing. I mean, he was three or four ahead after day two. Yeah. And he came back to the field. But... Um, well, that was that was crucial. That I thought that the commentators were saying that, and they, because they did, it kind of came you know in my head that it was a good point that he didn't lose the lead on his bad day. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's a psychological thing that kind mm. of sticks with you. And he's like, no, you know what? That's my bad one. I'm still right there in the lead. This is it. You know, I've got to you know off we go tomorrow. Um. So, what was your overall rating then? Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Oh, 10 oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think, I think. Thursday, Friday, Saturday was brilliant. And then I think it's only just because of back nine. Um, I mean, I suppose the one thing that... I still think it was... Like, I still think it was brilliant. Mm. I think it was very enjoyable. And I, and I enjoyed pretty much everything that, as of the back nine. It was more just seeing it out. It's kind of like when you're four up on someone with six holes to go. You just want to see it out, you know. And there's no real excitement. It's just just keep it, keep it going, you know. Mm. So I'd be inclined to award it a possible half a point extra because of how fast they got the greens. I thought yeah. that was probably the fastest I've ever mm-hmm. seen them, and I loved it. I, you can see they've seen the guys like four, four, five foot, four and five foot. Yeah. Snedeker's yeah. four foot was horrible. Westwood's Kucher four foot on the fine day. Yeah. That killed on Kuchar. the fourth. Yeah, what is up with Matt Kucher? He can't do it. Well, he has a very poor last day. That was the thing I and I kind of mentioned that that's that was a big concern about him is. Yeah, he should get in. He didn't have a great first round, but he should get into contention. He, he did a great sixty-seven on day three, but. I mean, I, I think it's... I mean, it's very hard. We talked about this before. It's very hard to win a tournament. So, mm, I, mean, I think you've mm. got to you hold that against Kutcher, you know? Um, Can I ask, though? I know you're going 8 out of 10 and you're going 7 out of 10. Mm. Three years hence from now, we're doing this podcast. Yeah. Talking about the Masters mm. and the, the great memories of the Masters. Mm. Do you think 2014 will be talked about in that, in that accolade? It won't be talked about a great Masters, but I think Bubba Watson's performance will be talked about and I think his 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 drive on 13 mm. will be talked about and I think the way he overpowered the course it may be actually talked about negatively that you know things need to change that uh, Gary Player was out talking this week about the ball and that hold on if if the way even Westwood was hitting the ball over the corner the way Westwood yeah. or um, uh, Bubba did that they're knocking it over the corner on 13 they weren't able to do that well is that something to do with the wind direction maybe this week because it's never happened before and these guys I mean there's there's nowhere there's no way they've had that quantum leap in distance between last year and this year I think it's, Dustin Johnson did that last year though he knocked it over that corner as well did he I, yeah. don't, I don't remember that yeah no. I think he just bombed it over the corner as well, well. Like, if you look at the driving stats for this week, Bubba was three hundred and five yard average. Rory was three hundred and four yard yeah. average. I mean, it's by no means the you know a tournament where they're bombing it longer. You know, there's other courses around the tour where they'll be averaging three fifteen, three eighteen for the tournament. So, what they what can they do? Like, do they just make it longer? Do they start adjusting? Do they start letting their primary cut, which is which is Augusta speak for rough? Do they let that grow a little bit? At the end of the day, the winning score was eight under par. That's you know, exactly what I was going to say. So yeah. it's it's not that easy a golf course. No. But you also have to look at the names that didn't get through to the weekend. Yeah. If it was so easy, then when you look down at some of the, the past major winners who mm. aren't playing on Saturday and Sunday, you know, I, I think we lost Mickelson, we lost McDowell, mm. we lost a whole raft Garcia. of people, Garcia. Yeah. Mm. You know, if it is so easy, as, as everyone claims, then minus eight is only winning it. And the fact that so many of the big names who will go out in other weeks and can bomb it a long way and mm. come out with 20, 21 under sometimes. And, mm. you know, that that to me, like, 
the worst thing that they can do is to look at the masters and take that as the guide to changing rules and changing equipment and changing requirements for the pros. Sometimes you just have to hold your hand up and say, look, that's the way the course is. And if they go out and do it at minus eight, and if it was it, minus 25, I'd say, okay, this, yeah, a, you need to bring this back a bit, but they're not doing that. Absolutely. And you made a good point, Barry. The, the winning score was minus eight, and that was Bubba, who, apart from uh, the third day, played absolutely fantastically. And is one of, actually, I, I think it's arguably, and we, I mean, we only, we only probably in our own lives only have about 20 years to look back, arguably one of the best driving performances ever in a major. So we probably have to take that into end of account as well. It was very good. I mean, if you look at it, there was only seven guys under par for the whole tournament. Mm, so mm. I, maybe Gary Player just got you know freaked out and might have overreacted in his comments a little bit. It was a freakish drive. We mm. we will talk about it in a bit because it's, yeah, we, we might as well we can actually go on to it now. Almost you know start talking about the great shots that he hit over the weekend and the yeah. great shots of the tournament. Yeah, that is the standout shot from that tournament. Yeah. For me, for me, it is. But well, he blocked us by thirty yards. As well. He didn't mean. He Jordan, didn't mean. Jordan Spieth thought he was seventy yards left of where he should have been. That's yeah, he said. He yeah. thought he was that bad, and he definitely pushed it. And he peered around the corner because he was worried he'd hit it too far yeah. left. So he, he definitely, yeah, he's left hand, so he definitely blocked it. Oh, he did, but three hundred sixty-six yards driving a sandwich. He hit to yeah. the thirteenth. That's just outrageous. That mm. that was that was the fate. That was the hammer blow that finished that tournament. I think that was a psychological smashed to mm. speed and there was just this you know you're going to have to do something special to beat me yeah, yeah. and speed ends up dunking into the water yeah. on 12 going for the you know going for the pin mm. like Bubba did have a bit of luck you know at times not what you're saying you know he thought he blocked it out it was yeah, maybe yeah. not 100% intentional I think I saw him on the 18th uh, I think was it speed was uh, it might have been Saturday he was in the trees Bubba had even gone more in the trees and all of a sudden he's in the middle of the fairway because it's hit the tree and come back out. Yes, you know, that that was a big break. Not only only did he not even realise that, he had actually walked into the trees to find it and there was a great moment on the TV coverage of his face kind of looking at the ball on the fairway and kind of, is that mine? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. what what has happened? So there yeah. was, the, look, and you have to have Lady Luck on the bag. There's to no win. doubt about yeah. it to win. But some of the drives were a bit all over the place at times like that but mm. you know you, you you pay your money and you yeah. can roll the dice and he, he did well and look he's, he's a good champion and he's a, he's he's a nice guy and I don't think anybody would take it away from him he's he's a decent guy in golf mm. and look the best thing is that somebody steps forward and actually makes a play for dominating the game for the next couple of years and he could be that player yeah. so. and he, he used that look and he won that jacket and mm-hmm. he made that his you know a long way before the nervous possible finish on that mm-hmm. course and he's now got two masters you know and arguably I think he, that guy could go on and win two or three more yeah, yeah, absolutely. Until he gets to forty, obviously. Until he gets to forty, and then in which case there's yeah, you've He'll got come second. Yeah, you've got, yeah, yeah, you've got like a one percent chance. But so, the, any other standout shots? Uh, well, I thought it was a Kucher shot in the back of fifteen. Yes, that was fantastic. And I know another member of our podcast team who is isn't here at the moment didn't think it was. Well, I suppose he thought that Sky might have overreacted, but. I think it was a fantastic shot. Now, he did, as Alan made the point, he did have an uphill lie and he was chipping, which did help him get the check. But he couldn't have landed in the, he could only land it in the spot where it landed. Had to, second bounce had to be on the green and had to have the spin. Yeah. Now, the tight lie, and as Alan says, the uphill lie did help. But I thought it was fantastic. Um, so he's, got, he's got to be perfect in distance, perfect mm. in contact, perfect in trajectory, mm. perfect in spin. He's landing it on a downward glass slope. Yeah, yeah. And he got it within eight foot of the pin. 
and made his birdie putt. Yeah, it was yeah. a sensational shot. Great shot. And yeah. when they asked him about it afterwards, he just kind of, you know, couture, you know, he did a smile and said, you know, if I had 20 balls from there, if I got one inside 10 foot, that'd be a great achievement. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. how difficult that shot was. And actually, I thought Kucher's short game was fantastic. I, I, he made a lot of fantastic up and downs. I know yeah. he had a bad four putt, but he had so many chips because I was obviously keeping a close eye on him and he made a lot of great up and downs. Um, mm, mm, he well, did indeed. It was it was surprisingly good actually to uh, to see him. I, I never thought his short game was that good, and he uh, he was really making life very easy for himself mm, when he missed those mm. greens. It's a shame the putter kind of screwed him a bit on Sunday Sunday morning early on the round. It, kind yeah. of, it just it just kind of knocked him out away from yeah the the top two. The fourth killed him anyway. Yeah, yeah. that that fourth putt is just that's uh, how do you recover from that on a Sunday. One of my favourite shots, uh, they used a new pin position on five. The pin was right down the front, right behind the hill. And Lee Westwood's put on day two, yeah. where he put it right across the green. And it like pretty much stopped it. It actually kind of reminds me of a putt that you could have in Glen of the Downs at times. Because especially on that first screen, you need to sometimes get the putt stop right on top of the hill and then it releases out and his and his, then hit the hole to stop it because yeah, yeah and gosh. his released out looked like it was going to go about four inches left of the hole and then just bang turns comes comes in sideways into the hole it must have been about 50 60 feet brilliant oh, it was putt. a crazy putt it was like yeah. something you'd see on a crazy golf course mm. it was just mm. it, it, it turns 90 degrees on it was a kind of it was a lovely master's moment because it was in the middle mm. of the sun and everyone all the crowd were celebrating yeah. so I thought it was cool and it was really really enjoyable you know yeah there were some very interesting ones like on uh, on 18 where Poulter had to play a putt from the back of 18 to the pin um, it might have been on, on one of the days where it was on the, the first level you know before the false front Poulter had to put from the back to the front and he putted it all the way to the very very left to the green as we are looking down the mm. green on TV and then the putt finally swung like literally at a ninety degree angle over to the hole. Yeah, it was yeah. just yeah, it, it. The greens there in Augusta are just wonderful for for that. You know, for having these you know, just putts you'd never see anywhere else, mm. like they say. And eighteen's uh, a bit similar. Remember, Els chipped from the back and he chipped it like thirty feet left and hit caught the hill. Yeah, and all they were running against. It was very actually. I suppose in, in a bit similar to Tiger's chip in sixteen, except the way he played it and it looked like it was going to go in, but it just hung up on the edge. Yeah, yeah, it's, so, it's good stuff. Great slubs. One story before we move on, um, and I think we touched on it, was Jet Knox, who has uh, become quite famous over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a amateur player, and he has the role of playing. What's it? he plays? He's if, the marker. The marker. The correct. marker. Yeah. Um, this is. I think. That, and when I talked about stories about this Masters, I thought that, that this was one of the best. And yeah. This guy. He's an amateur player. Local businessman must be fairly wealthy to get a membership in Augusta. Mm. He is currently the record holder for Augusta off the members' tees of yeah. 61. Yeah. 61. 61 off the members' tee. Yeah. Now, I don't care whether I was put within you know a wedge of the green. If I hit 61 around Augusta, it's just a phenomenal score. Yeah. So this amateur with a very, very small A, 61 is tie is is sent out on the Saturday with the world number nine Rory McIlroy yeah to play not only play with them but to mark his card and not only does I think Rory comes in with a seventy one correct one yeah. under he comes in with a seventy two yeah. under and you think ah oh, look you know you can have a good day and you know it's it's no no this guy's done this before yeah uh, 
going back, he played in 2003 with Craig Stadler. Yeah. That was his first time. He chipped in from a bunker for an eagle on the par 5-8. He has never, uh, over the time he has marked for Augusta, he is currently level par. So this wasn't just a (laughs) once-off. He is level par and he has played two rounds in 2003. He outdrove Jimenez on the first and the 10 mm, tees. Yeah. And in 2006, and I think this is an interesting one, he was par- paired with Garcia. And before they went out onto the onto the first tee, they put a little wager on the game. And the reason this story hasn't come out is because Augusta frown upon people playing for money on the course. Oh, okay. So this story, it was, they didn't want to really mention the story. But so it, we will about, mention it. Yes. Because Augusta won't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They put a wager on it. Uh, yeah, we can discuss it during an 18 holes in Augusta if they have an issue with it. Yeah, yeah well, I, I would be happy to meet the, <laughs> the, the chairman. Um, but they put a, 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 ba- a wager on it. He loses, Garcia loses, and allegedly doesn't shake his hand on mm-hmm. the 18th and walks off. Yeah. And, you know, whether that bit's true, I don't know, but... You know, to go out and play and not just play, you know, you can kind of think, oh, well, maybe the lowest amateur might just sneak in and he'll be playing with him. No, no. Like he's playing with some of the best players <laughs> in the world and holding his own yeah. off the backpack sticks with the crowd and the world number. I just thought it was a phenomenal story. Furyk said that if he if um, if Jeff Knox played at the weekend, he reckons he would beat half the field. No in, way. Yeah, and this guy's not even a pro, is he? No, no he's, he's just, not. just an amateur. Um... I think his best, and actually his best score off the member uh, members t- or the back tournament six. tees back six is sixty nine. So you only yeah. missed it out by one, oh, you know. But I, like, but I imagine he's practicing for eight weeks leading into this. That, this this kind of uh, this links in with the whole theory of Augusta needs experience. Yeah, and we saw. Uh, do you know? I don't know. I mean, I don't want to pick on Jordan Speed because I thought he was phenomenal the whole week long. But you could, you, you did see the nerves of Augusta on Sunday kind of hit him on, you know. As when he had that trouble at eight and nine, and mm. the ninth was a, the ninth was a really bad mental error um, to come up short on that green. But it's, is that the knowledge of the course, Barry, or is that just the nerves of being in the mix on Masters weekend? You know, because I'm not sure. Maybe it's. I think Jordan Speed to me looked like a guy who got very worried and nervous about he was in for a shout, and and not well, not so much that he didn't know the course because he obviously is a local lad and didn't know the course, but. I just wonder if it was just pure nerves. And I think it's a combination of both because he made that fatal error of going for that pin on 12. Um, he, went, he went straight at the pin on Sunday. He went straight at that pin when everyone knows you need to just hit the centre of that green on 12. But he was chasing at that point though. He needed to make shots back. Yeah, I, I, think, I think an experienced person would know that that's not the hole to chase on. Yeah. You ask if you ask Freddie Couples, would he chase on the twelfth? He's gonna, he's gonna say no. You need to make your birdies on thirteen. On a Sunday chasing the Masters, he might change his yeah, mind. And if on you're that. chasing Bubba, who's gonna dominate the par fives, you're probably thinking, well, I'm not gonna beat him on the par fives, but I might beat him on the par three. Speed is hardly a little short hitter now. He can hit that ball miles. But well, anyway, look, yeah, I, I thought I thought the experience did his lack of experience in majors and in that position, and also in Augusta, told against him and. You know, did, did you know Bubba's had experience there before, and you know, he he looked as calm as a cucumber yeah. on the back nine to to take it home. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I think um, I think it's probably uh, they don't they mention a lot about majors. You need to be in contention in a major first before you're mm-hmm. going to win one. And I think I think that point is probably the fact that he hit the lead and yeah. he was two ahead, and it was no coincidence. Then he ran into a bit of a tr- 
bit of trouble. So I think I agree, which is probably a bit, bit of both. But um, he was very think, mature afterwards. He said, "This will stand me in good stead now." And I think that's the thing coming to something like the U.S. Open. Like he played in Torrey Pines earlier on the year, which is a U.S. Open course in the future, and he shot sixty three there. So I think. This could mm. actually stand up very well in something like the US Open. Yeah, yeah, agree, agree. Um, so, but I, to be honest, it, it was great, great tournament. I'm already looking forward to it. Nice, nice to kickstart the season. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, okay, well, listen, moving on from the Masters and on to our top 200 competition. The is the top fifty in the world were in the Masters, so this is there's very little movement really, is there? Yeah, not not <clears throat> as you can imagine, not much happened uh, last week. It's not quite the uh, the field for our the kind of players we have in this competition. So, um, look, the top three are pretty static. We have Alan in first, Matt Ward in second, and Stephen O'Connor in third. So, uh, if anyone hasn't joined the competition, it's uh, we picked two players, both from outside the top two hundred in the world rankings. Uh, one on the European Tour and one on the PGA Tour. So if you want to enter, you send us a tweet uh, with your two two selections and uh, get, get yourself onto the leaderboard because the winner gets a four ball in Carton House, Correct. which will be won at the end of the European Tour season, the Dubai, yes. the Dubai Tour Championship, World Tour Championship. Yes. Yeah. Very long name of a tournament out in the Middle East. <laughs> um, so yeah. Give us a tweet with your two players. Free to enter, so and tell your friends. Yeah, hashtag top two hundred. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, and our Twitter handle is at podcast gts. I'll give sure. them a, at the end before we finish up. Okay. Well, we talked a good bit about uh, you know I, I suppose putting so far uh, and the Masters and uh, how treacherous their greens were there. So we decided this week might be good. Um, good time to talk about putting in general. In I suppose in looking at more from our own amateur uh, game. So, on that basis, guys, how much relevance do you guys put on putting yourselves? Well, to me, I think at an amateur level, I think it's more important than a lot of the the other aspects of the game. Mm. Because, now, let's not overstate it, though, either. Obviously, you have to yeah. get the ball to the green before you can putt. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But I have played with guys who kick the ball along the ground they'll get to the front of the green or just on the green in four shots and they'll hold the putt for the, for the you know, the, the, the par or the bogey or whatever it is. Mm. But certainly tee to green is absolutely imperative. But if you can putt and certainly if you can be getting away with, you know, between one putt and no more than two putts on a green, you are never going to be too far away from a very decent handicap and a very low score. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to me, I would put a lot of emphasis on it in my own game and mm. um, it would be something i would practice quite a bit and mm. um, to the detriment probably of all the other aspects of the game but i just believe that i can get the ball by hook or by crook onto the green mm. there isn't too many times i'll be walking away with three putts and it's then just making sure i get there as quickly as possible mm. but to me i put a lot of emphasis and i think it's probably more important at an amateur level that if you can limit the three putts and get on the green as quickly and as easily as possible. Mm. You don't have to boom at 300 yards. You just two shots, a couple of hundred, you'll be near the green and a couple of putts. Yeah. And yeah. you'll have a decent handicap and a decent round. That's uh, yeah, it's something we see, I see in your games. We, myself and James play together week in, week out, and as in team events as well. And it's something James has, you know, always is in there. Get it on the green, I can make the putt. Mm. But, you know, 
no matter what the stats say, like if he's 50 foot away from the holiday, he's going to make one of those in every 300 or ever. Yeah. But it's the fact that you can make it and you know in your head that you're more likely to make a putt from that distance than you are from a, ch- a chip from off the green. Mm. So, um, and it's it's a really, it's it's something that I've brought into my game as well because we, we, we played a good bit of match play together, yeah. you know, and it's just get that ball on the green because then you have a real, you know, then you're there and you have a real good chance. And mm. I think it's, it's almost a, it's a good psychological thing to have in your head. Like, you know, I'm here on the green, then you're confident because you know, I can actually make this putt, whereas you might not as, not be as confident over a chip. So get on that green and, you know, but make you those. back yourself. Yeah, you know you, do. you know, and and I always say that to to you when we are playing a match play, get us on the green because we'll back ourselves to yeah. do no worse than two putts. Here. We're we're both pretty solid putters as well, so we do have that confidence mm. in our game, you know. And you, you, if you have like like anyone, if we have a three putt, it, you know, drives us nuts. But you know, we we can go rounds and mm. rounds and rounds without three putts because it's you know it's just it's a strength of our game, and uh, well, we like to think it is. Maybe the stats will tell us otherwise after. You know, another you know two or three months worth of rounds put into the the yeah. iPhone. Yeah, I was I was kind of having a look um, just at what the what the statistics say we should do. Now, I I used to use a piece of software called Stack Doctor, and what you do is you just tap in the amount of putts that you take in a round. And I thought it was quite interesting that they say for what they what the Americans call a bogey golfer, so be an eighteen handicapper, that they should take on average thirty eight putts per round, which. I think it's generous enough. Now, I suppose it's different different for me to kind of say, well, what would you expect from 18? But So they're saying that if, if you, in order to play to your hand, you have to play to 18, you, you have to have 38 putts. To in order to play to 9, 34 putts. So I would kind of say, well, that should be achievable enough. Mm. And then a scratch golfer would be kind of 29, just under 20, just under 30 putts would be what, what would be needed. Um, but it also, the other thing that strikes me is that, you know, the difference that putting makes so if you go from nine to zero that's obviously nine shots better in terms of handicaps you only have to get four it's only you there's only four puts better so i know you were making the point james that well do you know what putting is something that it's one of the key parts of the game but i suppose it also shows that well hold on there's a lot of other shots come from elsewhere to improve it but i think the one thing is this is the easiest part of the game to practice we can do it on the carpet at home you can practice. Yeah. You can practice short putts. Putting is the easiest part of the game. Full stop. On 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 the face, but it's a ball. You little flat stick. You don't have to hit it very far, and you can see absolutely everything in front of you. I mean, it's arguably the easiest thing to do. You know, the, the swing is shorter, and uh, it is it is the part of the game that amateurs can get as close to the pros as possible. In so a pro will average say twenty nine puts around over a season. Yeah, yeah. One of us could go out and average 32, 33, 34 puts for a season. So we're yeah. only four or five shots around yeah. worse than that pro. Yeah. yeah. Now if we went out and played Augusta with the pro, we might have thirty four puts. They might have twenty nine. That's a five shot difference. They might shoot seventy two. We'd end up shooting ninety five. The rest will come from the long game. Yeah. yeah you know. Yeah. And, that, so putting is the part of the game we can get closest to the pros on, and we can learn a bit from seeing what they do. And although they, there is that there, is, there are those key statistical differences. I think you did a little bit of a little bit of looking at the. Well, I think that's the one thing. Well, well, first of all, I think one of the issues, big issues with putting, is expectations. I think mm. this and there's there's two things about this. Is first of all, when we're watching it on TV, all you see is is guys draining six footers eight footers ten footers 15 footers someone who's at the back of the field and is playing garbage all of a sudden they show him and he's holding 30 footers Mm. so whereas if someone has a 12 footer and misses it and there's eight guys doing that they don't show 
how many people are actually missing putts. So I think we're a bit brainwashed expecting that we should be making, you know, every second 12-footer because you see it so much in tour. And the one thing I looked into, I'd heard this mentioned before, that in terms of the, the percentages of putts made, now this is actually on the average on the PGA Tour. So, so far this year, they have, um, there's about 180 players are recorded. And I've taken player number 90 in all, the, in all these distances to see, well, how, how much does the average PGA Tour player make from the distance? So from three foot, nearly, so on average, they make 99 and a quarter percent of putts. So that's, that's you'd expect that from three feet. That's fine. You know, and I don't think we'd get to that level either. I think we'd be probably more, probably 80 to 90, I imagine, mm. as amateurs. Mm. But it's amazing the drop off by distance, and I don't. I think this is the thing that us as amateurs generally we don't understand. Even if you go to five feet, so the ninetieth best uh, putter out of one hundred and eighty on the PGA Tour only makes eighty percent of those putts. So the two feet makes a big, big, big drop Huge off straight difference. away. So therefore, if you're an amateur and you have five um, putts from five feet. And you make only make three of them. You're going home, killing yourself, and you're going practicing putting all night. And you're probably hitting average for an amateur, or exactly. maybe ten percent below. Exactly, exactly. And and when you draw this out, ten foot, the again the average PGA Tour player so far this year is only making forty percent of those putts. No way. Yeah. So like you're straight away thinking, you know, if you make if you make probably two ten footers out of ten, you're doing very well as an amateur. You're probably. Mm. You know, if we had a strokes game putting staff for amateurs, you'd yeah. probably be picking up picking up scores. And then if you go out further, so I just took the fifteen to twenty twenty foot. Only seventeen percent of putts are made from that distance by the average PGA Tour pro. So you bring that down to amateurs, we probably should only be making five to ten percent. But I think the interesting and when you say those stats, to me what would jump out is where a pro, even if he's out at twenty, thirty foot if he can get it to within that three foot yeah. disc, he is very, very, he's what, 0.75% of the time he's going to miss that putt. So less than 1% of the time he's going to be worse than a th- two putt on that hole. Yeah. I get to three foot or four foot or five foot. Firstly, if I'm 40 foot away from the hole, I'm thinking this is great, I've got it close enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm expecting to hold the five foot. Yeah. Which, which then I get annoyed when I don't and I end up walking away with the three foot. But it's statistically, I shouldn't be expecting to hold the, the three or the four or five or six footers. You know, so there's more probably three uh, uh, three putts for us from mm. those big distances. Mm. Yeah. Because we have to get it much, much closer to get anywhere close to 99%. And actually, there's a pal of mine that I work beside. And he went to the Dave Peltz putting school. Um, and this is the exact thing that they worked on. They said that not enough amateurs are practicing 30, 40, 50 footers. Mm. And the main reason is that if you can get like you know they were doing putts and they were hitting it to t- eight ten feet and sure by the stats they had very little chance of making so therefore three putts were quite high and it's a good point and you hear i think it might be either bob Rotella or maybe it might be dave Peltz himself saying i might be actually bob Rotella, but if you can get it inside the three foot circle yeah your chances of reducing three foots go through the roof and that would mm. show here like if we take a pros for 99 percent you get inside let's say two and a half feet that means we probably have a 90% chance of making it. Yeah, it's just, it's pure distance. There mm-hmm. is, I remember reading, there's like a tipping point even for the pros, I think it's 30 foot, where they're just as likely to three put it as they are to one put it. Mm-hmm. So, and beyond that distance, the three put uh, percentage goes up all the way to 50, 60, 70, you know, foot away mm-hmm. from the hole. 
So, <clears throat> and like it is, it is crude. I mean, it is just raw distance. Get that ball as close to the damn hole as possible. This was like when we we did the. Um, do you remember the laying up on par fives a few weeks mm. back? And it turned out that it's just get you know instead of laying up to your ideal wedge distance of 110 yards or whatever it is, it is get the ball as close to the hole as possible, mm. and mm. ultimately you will score better. So it seems to apply for putting as well. Just get it in there. But I certainly think that the interesting point that Bobby makes is that what we see on TV yeah. shouldn't be what we take onto the golf course yeah. and the expectation. Our expectation level is way too high. And we see the edits. We, we, yeah. Not only do we see the edits, but and I think it just in the week that's been, the Masters is a good bit to remind us that these guys aren't always going out and hitting one putts and two putts. Yeah. There's so many three putts and four putts this week. And, mm. you know, probably this week is the one week that we look at, at the Masters and we look at the professionals and go, geez, they're mortals. You know, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. they make mistakes too. Yeah. Because we make yeah. mistakes. And, and I think we talked previously, and certainly we, we've talked in the past about looking at the women's game. Mm. and looking what we can take from that and like that getting it on the green quickly and back yourself to putt yeah. you know but distance is absolutely cru- crucial but interestingly when we were I was looking at this topic over the last couple of days and uh, I was listening to uh, the Bob Rotella book Golf is Not a, a Game of Perfect which I would recommend anybody to download and listen to in the car because it while away an hour and 20 minutes of your <laughs> life and be helpful but Bobby Locke, uh, a professional back many years ago in the Gary Player days, he was regarded and is still regarded as one of the best putters that the game has ever seen. Mm. And he said that not only is the putter the easiest golf stroke, because if you can throw a beanbag underhand, yeah. you can putt. But it's about being decisive, picking what you're going to do, and just doing it. Yeah. And if you, the longer, and when I was reading a statistic, that the longer your eyes are over the ball, the more likely you are to miss yeah. the putt. It's about being over the ball, looking at the hole, picking your spot, back over the ball, and hitting it. Yeah. And not, because if your brain kicks in as amateurs, we'll start, is it right to left? Or maybe it was a little more yeah. to the other. Mm. Oh God, maybe I need to start again. And or what Or what if I miss this? What will the guys think of me if I miss this four-footer? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it was the interesting. Chances are you might. Mm. There's a good chance you might. That's, yeah. and, it was, and it was very interesting because the Bob Rotella book was basically saying, confidence 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 and Bobby Locke uh, there was a story of Bobby Locke and he was asked you know how do you hit you know your great putter how do you hit your putts what can I learn and he said well I never look at my putts he says I just look at the ball and hit it and mm-hmm. I listen to the sound and he says but what happens if you you know you don't see it go in the hole he says I don't need to see it go in the hole I'll know it's in the hole by the sound yeah but then the guy says well what about the fact that you won't see it going past the hole and he, turn, he turns to the guy and says, well, I don't want to see it go past the hole because I don't want to ruin the confidence that I have that whatever the putt is going yeah. back, I'll hold it. Yeah. So it was all about a yeah, confidence You don't see thing. a putt that you've you missed. Know, yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. And, you know, mm. I don't want to bore you with stories, but there was a good one with Davis Love Jr. And he was rooming with Gary oh, Player. Yeah. And he talked about the fact that Gary Player came back playing Bermuda Greens, hairy as hell, and said, look, I love playing on them following week they go bent grass green super fast and again he says to Gary Player you know Gary Player says I love them they're brilliant the guy says hold on a second what's the story here you can't possibly love both and he turns around and says I love putting I love putting whatever course it is I just love putting and it was a confidence thing and that that I think is what from an amateur perspective whether it's from 40 foot or 10 foot or 3 foot Mm. is about picking a spot being decisive and if you miss it 
statistically, you know, that's fine. Yeah. But just being confident about it yeah. and enjoying yeah. it and not fearing it. What do you guys, how do you guys practice your putting or what do you do drill? Do you do anything specific drill-wise or any particular ways of practicing? So, um, I, I haven't practiced per se now over the, over the winter much. Um, but in general, what I'll do before each round, I'll come down about 45 minutes before round. I'll go onto the green and I will... I have a nice part of the practice green where I test the pace of the greens with my putts. So I'll hit back and forth 30, 40 footers just to see how the ball's rolling and see how the pace of the greens is for that day. Because I think that's, to me, that's the most important thing is to get the pace of the greens right. Yeah. So yeah. your practice pace is the same. pace, very much so. And I, I make sure I'm really comfortable with that. Then I'll drop it down to maybe 15 or 20 footers. I'll do uphills and downhills just to see how, just to get that pace, get the feel for the pace. Because if you know, if I get the pace right, I'm going to be within two foot of the hole, no matter what line I pick, mm-hmm. almost, and or two or three foot, and then that makes life an awful lot easier for me. So once I've got the pace down, I'll then go and just I'll put a you know maybe eight balls around a hole and just hit those short puts. But this is maybe on a slope, so I'll have eight different short puts to hit. From what distance? From about three foot. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so they're all they're all definitely makeable. If I miss one, I pull that ball back and I hit that put again and I make it. So mm. just I get that confidence of making those puts. And I've made a putt from each angle around the hole. You know, I've got uphill, I've right to left, left to right, downhills. Hmm. And it just it gives me a nice bit of yeah. confidence of yeah. holding those short ones. I, may, I now feel comfortable. I've got the pace and I've got the you know the the good feeling of holding those short ones and that, that sends me out in the you know, me ha- in a happy place to go try play golf yeah. for that yeah. day. Like well, those greens. are some those are some good ideas and 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 actually maybe what we might do is um, we can ask people to tweet in any putting yeah. drills that they use or any ideas yeah. any oh, send ideas. them all to at Donnelly Allen he needs all your help this year <laughs> <laughs> um, and also you can send them to at podcast GTS yeah, just yeah. any any tip any putting tips you guys have or even any putting drills that you use we'd love to hear them well, James do you have anything in particular yeah, I, I, I buy into instinct and I don't particularly go mainly because I never get to the golf club quick enough and I don't have any carpet at home so I don't practice as much as I probably should but what I do is when I do get there I just put two tees down about Mm -hmm. 14-18 foot apart in a flat part of the green I hit three balls up to the first tee I hit them back down a couple of times just to get the pace and that's all I'm interested in and then I simply take it and I do four or five putts at three foot I then move back about five foot but I want the last thing I do before and that's it I will go no further than six foot out Mm. and the last thing I do is I will go back to maybe two foot and just hit three very simple putts that I hear the sound of the ball going in the hole Mm. so the last thing I'm Mm. thinking of when I'm going off the green is I held those two three footers so when I get onto the first I say hey just get it on the green if I have to two putt get it to within two or three foot and I'll hold them and it's a confidence thing if I stay there too long I'll be worrying about, oh, this, that, or the other. Is it coming back straight? Just go to the first screen and just say, hey, yeah, I have the confidence. I held them pretty well on the practice. Just take it onto the course and not worry about it. Well, because I, I think practicing the the short putts are are important. And we took we touched on Mark Brody's book uh, recently. I think it's Every Shot Counts. And, and he one of the points he makes in it is that, and then you touched on it, Barry, that from 30 feet or 20 feet, all the pros are going to have very similar stats. They're going to have very, very low um, chances to make the putt. When you put them into one, two feet, they're all going to have very similar stats because they'll all make them. Mm. But where he talks about that the pros differentiate, or as I think you, you described it well, that how they separate themselves is that they, um, from the 
four foot to kind of seven foot is where the good pros separate themselves. So yeah, they put their mark down on their. They, that's where they can beat their opponents. Yeah, 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 and they can separate. And actually, I looked at again looking at the stats. PGA Tour uh, from five feet in two thousand thirteen. You can actually see Stricker was third, GMAC was ninth, uh, Poulter 17th, Snedeker 40th. So they're all pretty good putters. And then yes. let's say the guys who you might think wouldn't be great putters would be Westwood. He was 137th. And we talked about Stenson a good bit as well, 151st. Mm. So the likes of GMAC, they make up their shots on other players in the, and this is what Mark Brody was saying, in the five foot area. Because that's where you start to get the, the, the difference between definitely making it and definitely not making it this is where it starts to get that's where the good putters gain yeah. their advantage over yeah. the weaker yeah. putters yeah and Mark Brody says that the four footer is where amateurs For can, us. can make up the difference and I think if you take if we play with anyone that's a good putter mm. and you play with somebody who's not a great putter I think four foot and five foot is where that difference is going to make yeah. so so for me, I just I kind of like you, Barry. I hit just long putts just to get the, try and get the the pace of the greens, get them into the four foot area, and then I practice four foots. But one drill that actually I, I don't know how we found, but I think I found it on the internet, and this is it's something different because I hadn't heard it before. You take twenty balls and you mark out one foot, so only one foot, and put down either for our English listeners a one pence coin. Or for, I suppose, European listeners, a one-cent coin. And you take the 20 balls and you hit them over the one-cent coin. Now, you might think, oh, that's very easy. And I did think that. I was like, this is very easy. Did you miss one? No, no, no. It's actually not. It's actually... <laughs> no, because you were hit, I was hitting them. I was yeah. hitting it. But it's not actually trying to hit the coin. What you don't realize, actually, is how how weak your stroke is. How, how it actually isn't strong enough. Because... You should be hitting it over the center of the one cent coin or the yeah. one pence coin. And it's kind of trickling off the side. All of a sudden, you actually start to notice you're actually hitting the left hand side of the coin. You're actually hitting the right hand side of the coin. You're going, Jesus, I'm only a foot away. How am I missing this? And actually, you can actually groove your stroke and you can actually get the ball hitting out of the of the center of the thing. I know you. I, I, when I heard about it, I was like, this is this is doesn't make any sense. But you actually all of a sudden start to figure out how to get your stroke, how to get the ball rolling over the center of the one cent coin. So I just I see the nice yeah even nice tempo back and a yeah. little bit that acceleration through and but you actually quickly understand what's a bad stroke because you're hitting the side of the coin and what's yeah. a good stroke because you start uh, strong that's, that's a nice little one to have but it's I, learning about yeah. feel you know yeah. it's, it's obviously because when we go out and we play you know and it's it's you you hit a good one you know you don't know on the the green whether yeah. you've hit a good one or a bad one because yeah. it's either beside the hole or in the hole and yeah. near the hole but when you have something that you're looking at mm. and you can then see. Well, actually, that wasn't the line I was thinking. Because we get late. Like, I know when I go to the driving range, I could hit 10, you know, six irons. And mm. five might be really good. And then I hit the sixth one and I go, oh, yeah, I was aiming that direction. <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of go, you know, especially if a, if the pro or somebody walks past, and you're going to go, yeah, I was aiming you know, I was from the right to left. 40 yard slice. <laughs> but, but, you know, at least that way you have something that you can visually see and say, actually, that wasn't a good shot. Well, you're you're fixing like, it. Yeah, the thing I like about it is you get instant feedback on your stroke. And, what, and you actually start all of a sudden saying, okay, well, actually, this is what a good stroke mm. feels. And then when you actually go and you get rid of the tee, and as I said, it's only one foot, literally from one end of your foot to the other is all you need to pace out yeah. uh, to try it. Uh, but when you then come to four foot putts, you're actually striking the ball a lot better. You're starting on the line and it actually helps with your strokes. So. That's, a, that's a nice drill. Yeah, so yeah. give it a try. Let, I think I might. Yeah, see, the greens, greens are just got hollow cord there last weekend. So in about two or three weeks time, they'll be back to being beautiful again. And 
it'd be nice to start the season with a mm. good good confidence in the pudding stroke and yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give it a whirl yeah give it a go let us, let yeah. us, and if anyone out there wants to give that one a try let us, let us know what you I, think Steve I think works. ultimately it boils down to like the pudding is a you know, it's a personal and a psychological thing you know it's and the psychology goes you need the confidence um, and yeah. it, whatever you need to do to get that confidence that's you know, that, that's for you. you. Try out different things, try out different putters, different grips. You've seen Sergio do it. Mm. People have longer putters, shorter putters. You know, test stuff out, mess around with it. Just you know, find get something. The ball in the hole. Find something you feel comfortable with, and you know, and just get out there and you know, and enjoy that comfort. You know, the comfort factor of being there. You know, with something you feel confident in, and just roll that ball in the hole. It is, it is confidence at the end of the day. I think it's that thing. I think you touched about this offline and before we came in. And yeah. I think it's it's really down to how you feel comfortable and how you roll the ball. Whatever gets you hitting your lines the best. Is, yeah, is and if is. you can use a couple of drills to kind of groove that yeah. your stroke to you know to, to hit the ball nicely, like your one your small coin drill, then that's great. So you're comfortable hitting mm. it, and then you've now got a ball that's rolling well in you know in a comfortable yeah. technique. That's then you're that's ninety percent yeah. of the battle done. You know, so yeah, find your style and just. Uh, dominated absolutely absolutely well hopefully there's a couple of tips and a couple of ideas and again as I said if anyone out there wants to tweet us at podcast GTS with any putting tips or any putting drills we'd love to hear them and we'll share them with the rest of the listeners as well um, so listen moving on you I didn't play last weekend um, unfortunately somebody has has taken away with my car and my golf clubs so I have no uh, I had no clubs the weekend to go play it's a bit of a setback that's, but, yeah, that's crushing early yeah. season yeah, you got, exactly. got the order in for the replacements. Too. Yeah, I'm gonna get get working on the replacements. So I probably won't. This weekend's Easter, so I probably won't play this weekend. But hopefully, to get back to following game myself and actually one of the lads have a match on Thursday week, and then I'll get back. So hopefully, I get the clubs. Bit annoying, but you guys played a medal. We had a medal, it? first medal yeah. of the year. Yeah, um, beautiful day. I mm. don't know how they've managed to do it with all the rain we've had this year. That they actually made it a qualifying competition. Now we had preferred lies on the fairway. And if your ball was plugged off the fairway, it'd drop. So that was fine. Um, we had hollow court greens, so everybody had to deal with that on the pudding surfaces. Um, I ended up having a terrible front nine, and then a I was sixteen over on the front nine, which what? is which and is you're off twelve. Off twelve. Yeah. So I I ate up all my hand. I had two I had two lost balls on the eighth and ninth, so that wasn't good. Oh. Then I went out in the back nine and shot five over gross with a birdie. Um, oh, so bad. it was fine. I made a change to my grip and. From the 13th on, every iron was out of the middle of the club and pretty much exactly where I aimed it. So, uh, finished on a high note and looking forward to next week. Good. Something to bring you back. Yeah. James, were you going out on these hollow time, time greens going, I love hollow time greens. I love greens and loads <laughs> You know, if, if, if we had done this last week, I would have been saying, yeah, of course I was, Bobby. No, I, I went out and Barry built me up earlier and said, you know, what a good putter I was. And... Um, might not be his exact words, but I'll check back later. But <laughs> I had the worst putting day I have oh, no. ever had, which is unfortunate. I T degree was great. I you had a really, good score. Yeah, I did score. have a good score. I had eighty nine for seventy three. I'm yeah. off sixteen, so I came tied twenty uh, first or twenty second. So I, mean, I was delighted with it. However, I had thirty nine putts oh, over the course of the round. Yeah. My average for the season up to now was kind of more. 32, 33, so... And you're off... It was off 16. Okay, so. well, like, as, as we were touching on, around 19, and about 19 handicapper would expect to have about 39 points. So yeah. That's, yeah. Another, like, that's another thing where putting cha- is different. Like, you know, your putting is not... Your your skill of putting is not correlated exactly to your handicap yeah. always, you know? So, yeah. you know, you could have a nine handicapper who puts 
atrociously yeah. where you have 18 handicappers actually a surprising good yeah, putter look, so uh, you know, James is not the, James is not a 39 putt no putter, like, like. The, the hollow core didn't help there was yeah. certainly at least three putts that, that were right in the front door that turned left look yeah, it's yeah. one of those days I put an asterisk beside it I actually take more encouragement from the tee to green that good. I sell at a 73 I went out practicing for the Pierce Purcell on Sunday mm. and I have to apologize to my playing partner because I absolutely stank. Um, <laughs> so it's a foursomes competition, isn't it? It is a foursomes competition and yeah, I have to apologize to him. I think I hit some of the worst shots I've ever played, but well, I think everybody did. It was very windy. You don't do that anyway, with money on as an arm match. No, maybe yeah. I should have done that at the start and said to him, <laughs> look, let's put a fiver on it and I would have concentrated a bit more. Yeah. The head wasn't in it on Sunday. Was it only practice? So, it was only a practice. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm too bothered about it. Will so. we talk about some good golfers? Yeah, I think let's move on to some pro golfers. Um, yeah, guys who, actually, who can actually do things and they don't yeah. have to play in Holocourt Greens. So This week, um, RBC Heritage in Harbortown. Um, and then we also have in the European Tour, actually back out to Asia again. We're in Malaysia this time, Maybank Malaysian Open. Um, two kind of uh, interesting enough events. Bit of a come down, obviously, from last week, but... Uh, Somewhat interesting enough, and um, like it should be decent viewing for the There's weekend. A reasonably strong European tour field out in Malaysia. Um, yeah. You know, we've got Westwood, West Hazen, Molinari, Monticello, Cabrera Bay, mm. and then you start starts to kind of fade off a little mm. bit. Look, the quality, but you know, um, we'll see what happens. It'll be nice to have two tournaments on again to occupy the TV yes. time. Yes. Um, so. I'm I'm not going to have any bets. I always find it difficult to bet on tournaments out in Asia. You never know whether the Europeans will travel well. Anyone mm. who's playing the Masters last week will yeah. travel well. Yeah. The what what the weather or the temperature will do to anybody not from the region. So I stay away from that uh, in the terms of betting. Will we? And I suppose we like to have a little fiver between ourselves. Will we focus on the states for this week. Yeah, good yeah. idea. Good idea. Um, I think Alan said he wanted he fancied GMAC this week. I think yeah, I you first picked though, don't you? Uh, or just, yeah, we, we've kind of we kind of had. But a, Alan, Alan put his label down for GMAC. But listen, sure, I'll go. Alan's always doing that. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I go Donald. I think he's been playing him reasonably well, and this yeah. course is a short, pokey course. This is a. Um, this, this is a beautiful course. I love this tournament. If this was a course in Dublin, it'd be kind of a bit like Milltown or something like that. Oh. So it's kind of a little short. Ball, ball strikers kind of Milltown is nowhere near the sea this is no this is a but it's, Harbortown is a linksy an American links so it's not an Irish links or a Scottish links it's a short course though and it's, it is yeah. it's, you gotta keep the ball straight and you gotta position the ball around I, you gotta, I love this tournament I love this golf course I, it's just it's had some great moments and it's got that iconic 18th you know with the lighthouse it's great um, who I, are you going for I'm gonna go for Jimbo Jim Furyk okay cool uh, so I'm Donald um, going, I am going to make this very easy I'm going to go Brant Snedeker oh very good Jay showed some form last week as well he so. did yeah I was kind of had a little side bet on him after our conversation last week I had another look at the bets and said sure let's put something on him didn't hold out all the way through but he certainly had a bit of form so yeah, I'm going to go with Snedeker cool okay well listen before we wrap up I'll just give the rules um, question um, while you look up the answer there to torture me with can Matt, can Matt Kuchar go again? Can he can he get into contention and then just fail finish, and disappoint people he'll, again? He'll finish fourth this week. Really think? Yeah, because he's I think he's finished every other position in the top five the last few weeks. I think Matt Kuchar may face the same fate that you did in the rules question in that he did not win. Oh. <laughs> and Alan Alan is this week's Bubba Watson. Alan got the answer correct. What did he go for? He went for C. So 
A, as A's suggestion could have influenced B in determining his play, it constituted advice, and A is penalised two strokes. But the guy who's hitting the shot doesn't, um, he doesn't get a penalty. It's only the guy who's giving the advice. I think I also got that right. You did? I'd like that on the record, thanks. I I was about (laughs) to mention that point, but uh, I just... Can I I substitute James in for me? I think it should, yeah. Yeah, We might make it Alan against James. (laughs) So that means it's 9-7 to Alan. That's a bit of a bad few weeks now, Barry, but you've loads loads of time to come back anyway. I think we're going to run us to the end of 2014 anyway, so... Or as long as I need to get back in front. Yeah, exactly. And then maybe just actually just leave them. Yeah, just uh, not turning up for the podcast actually might be a good way to start taking the lead. It seems to work... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, cool. We'll, we'll listen. Um, we'll leave it at that anyway. So, thanks a million for everyone for listening. Um, as always, you can contact us by email at a good talk spoiled at gmail.com or Twitter at podcast GTS. If you want to enter any of your um, top 200 teams, it's hashtag top 200. Um, and as I said, listen, we'd love to hear any putting tips or any putting drills that you guys do out there. Or anything you'd like us to discuss. Yeah, anything, anything you'd like to discuss in the coming weeks. There's loads of good golf coming up. So, listen, thanks to you guys. Thanks, Barry. Uh, thanks, guys. For coming on this week. Thanks, James. Good to see you again. Thanks for having me. And thanks for everyone for listening. So, we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye, <laughs> 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 Well, goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>